Coming at you from the Wee Dessert Studio in Houston, Texas. You're listening to The Weekly Brew with Austin Statton, Kevin Cook, and Jeremy Paxton. It's time to sit back, relax, and be informed. Welcome to episode 58 of The Weekly Brew Podcast. My name is Austin Statton, and I'm joined this week by Kevin Cook and Jeremy Paxton. We have an amazing show on deck for you today. We've got head coach David Bailiff from the Rice University Owls. Got Kevin Eschenfelder on to talk Astros, talk U of H, talk Root Sports. Great content from him. And then finally, we're going to close things off with a three-time guest, Adam Coleman, joining us to discuss the new Houston Chronicle High School Sports Live app, as well as Rice University. And uh, Kevin, high school football kicked off this past week. We made our broadcasting debut. How do you think it went? Uh, you know, I need to listen back to the tape. Um, I, I felt comfortable with you. I felt like there wasn't any tension. I, I was afraid it was going to hurt our relationship, and I feel like we're still getting along well. Um, it's really hard. You know, I talk a lot, but I realize that the things that I say aren't necessarily germane or things that people need to hear. And so it was weird uh, being actually asked to say something meaningful during the course of a broadcast that would help someone understand what's going on. Um, so I'm not, I'm not sure exactly how I did. I'm waiting to hear some feedback. But it was fun. It was a blast. Yeah, I definitely enjoyed it as well. And we were able to work in uh, some humor, which was kind of fun. And we also were able to work in the phrase heavy breathing. Which got us some looks around. the. We were in the booth, and we were joined by several SciFair uh, ISD students and and one of their faculty mentors, Vanessa. Shout out to Vanessa. She's wonderful. But uh, definitely got a look when you made reference to heavy breathing. And then I doubled down on it. I mentioned it myself. That's actually um, hilarious, if not a little shocking. I didn't think you guys would actually do that, but you managed to work in heavy breathing. I got to see a couple of uh, snaps, Austin, you sent me. You guys looked and sounded like pros. Uh, but yeah, the, I'm actually really proud of you guys for working that in. <laughs> I think we need to, uh, the next time you guys do that, we need to like have a, a running list of words that you have to work into each broadcast. That's fine. I look at it as a challenge. Challenge accepted, Jeremy. Could you work in Harambe, please? Harambe has been on the lips of a lot of people, including I was at a volleyball game this week, and the, sh- the crowd, the Langham Creek crowd, was shouting at the Cypress Falls crowd, Falls killed Harambe. And it was, um, it was interesting. It was an interesting moment. I'm very creative chanting. I have to say, I give him that. The Harambe memes will not die, and it's really funny. Just Google Harambe memes, and it's it's sort of one of those cultural phenomena. I don't quite understand how it got started. I mean, the whole thing is a tragedy to, be, to begin with, but um, the fact that it, it seems to bring people together on the internet to laugh, that's, you know, it's hilarious. It's he would amazing. have wanted that. He would have wanted That's what Harambe would have wanted, yeah. <laughs> But a lot of exciting guests, obviously. Very uh, Jermaine Houston. We are, we are debuting. We're unveiling this this week. Uh, the Weekly Brew Podcast is the voice of Houston. And it turns out that in order to have a tagline, you don't need to run it by anyone. You don't need to talk to the Chamber of Commerce. You can just declare yourself the voice of Houston, and nobody can stop you. So as of right now, the Weekly Root Podcast is the voice of Houston. We've got Houston Rice Owls head coach David Bailiff, Houston Root Sports guy, does everything, Astros, Houston Cougars, everything, Kevin Eschenfelder, and then Adam Coleman from the Houston Chronicles. This is a very specifically Houston episode, and in keeping with that Houston idea, uh, I've listened to some new podcasts. I think I've mentioned to you guys, I don't know if you guys have had the chance to listen yet. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Go ahead and tell the audience about it. Well, um, Heaven, Hell, or Houston is a podcast where they kind of get with uh, really interesting Houston figures. The one I listened to most recently had an animator on it, a guy who's uh, made some renown as an animator. People that are in the Houston scene that are relevant to what goes on in the arts and culture. They do really uh, in-depth, interesting interviews. I've enjoyed that podcast a lot. So shout out to Heaven, Hell, or Houston. And then The Stacks uh, is a live comedy podcast that they uh, record at the Wofford every Sunday night. And as we're recording this Sunday morning, uh, I think I'm going to go there tonight. I think I'm going to go to the Wofford tonight uh, and check out The Stacks podcast. I've really been enjoying that. Very hilarious stuff from those guys, and they have a number of spinoff podcasts, but it all kind of starts at the Stacks. So if you are into Houston as much as we are, I recommend you listen to Heaven, Hell, or Houston uh, and the Stacks, because they're terrific podcasts that are really in the spirit of what's going on here in Houston. Football is just right around the corner, and for us, college football debuts this week. We had alluded to the fact that we have Coach David Bailiff on from Rice University here in just a few minutes, but uh, before we dive into our, uh, you know, the, the meat of our podcast, we want to kind of go over some predictions, and as everyone knows... We are absolutely terrible at predictions on this podcast. So what we are going to do is each week we are going to uh, essentially pick five games. We are going to try to pick U of H. We're going to try to pick Baylor each week unless they are playing an FCS school, which in this case Baylor is playing Northwestern Louisiana State. So there's not an actual uh, spread for that game. Uh, So what we're going to do is we're going to identify five games. We're all going to pick against the spread. And uh, the winner at the end of the season is going to be, I I guess, the the pick'em champion for the podcast. What do they get? Uh, pride. That's it? Coffee? 
Okay. Wheat desserts. Coffee for a year from the other two. Okay. Free coffee for a year. During, yeah, that works. During Sunday podcast. Yeah. The other two guys have to alternate bringing the we all, we have coffee here, obviously. You can tell we're very alert and perky. So uh, the winner gets to opt out of the coffee buying process uh, for a year. That works. That oh. works. That's at that. I mean, there could not be a better incentive for me being an absolute <laughs> being cheap yeah. and a coffee addict. That's yes. perfect for you, Jeremy. <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, exactly. okay. So here is one qualification. We are going to pick against the spread, but if you pick an underdog straight up, you get a bonus point if that team pulls off the upset. Yep. So keep that in mind. And uh, since we do have Coach David Bailiff on from Rice University, uh, we're going to go ahead and throw the Rice game in this week uh, to supplement, uh, to replace the Baylor game. Uh, so we've got Rice at Western Kentucky, and Western Kentucky is a 14.5-point favorite. Uh, Jeremy, I'm going to start with you. Uh, I'm actually going to go with Western Kentucky on this one. Um, I've seen them do very well in these past couple seasons. They consistently make it to a bowl. So uh, I'm not so confident in Rice based on what I've seen. They are a good team. But, um, no, I'm going to go with Western Kentucky here, and I'm going to say they cover the spread. You say based on what you've seen, how much Rice film have you broken down during this offseason? Not a whole lot, but based on what I can remember, that's what I'm, that's what I'm going with. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, we had Bailiff on the podcast. Am I going next? You didn't give me an indication, but I'm going to go next. Uh, we had Bailiff on the podcast. I will admit freely that I haven't watched a second of Rice football last season. That's going to change this season. He's really got me believing in this team and what it can do this year. Um, so I'm not going to jip him on the podcast he appears on. I'm going to pick Rice to win that out outright. I'm going to I'm going to pick them as a. So you mentioned the bonus point aspect for someone who's really bad at predicting things. I need those bonus points where I can get them. I'm picking Rice to not only cover the uh, initial spread of 14 and a half there, but to win outright. Western Kentucky, they have one of the uh, the hottest coaches in college football. Uh, you know, they were uh, a Conference USA champions last year. Rice, very young team. I don't think that. Rice is going to win the game. I think Western Kentucky home opener, they're going to cover the spread. 14 and a half. So I'm going to go ahead and give Western Kentucky that. And uh, let's start with the uh, Dolores, who is not here, uh, sent us a text, and she's going to pick Rice to cover the spread. So we'll go ahead and mark her down for that. Uh, the next game, UCLA at Texas A&M, and Aggies are a one-point favorite. Dolores picked A&M in that game. Uh, Jeremy, we'll go with you. UCLA outright winner uh, just if nothing I, I got to see quite a bit of UCLA ball when I was out in California but I have so much hate and spite in my heart for Texas A&M I'm just going with UCLA yeah, I'm going to also go with UCLA outright. Uh, and, of course, with a one-point spread there, that double-point bonus really, really helps you. It'd be foolish to pick A&M just for the scoring purposes. But also, I mean, you look at uh, intangibles, right? Not X's and O's, but things off the field. That does seem to be a program in a free fall almost. So I uh, I like them to be kind of getting over those uh, off-season jitters, and I pick UCLA to win that one outright. Yeah, I'm actually going to go with UCLA outright as well. That's I think that's, all three of us um, are going to pick that. I, I really like what Jim Mora is doing at UCLA. I think that they have the uh, the type of team that can contend in the Pac-12 this year. I really like their sophomore quarterback, Josh Rosen. He uh, burst onto the scene last year. Uh, you know, they lose some key players, but uh, I, I just I can't buy into Trevor Knight at Texas A&M right now. I, I don't think that uh, Kevin Sumlin is going to be there at the end of the year. I think the ceiling for A&M is probably seven or eight wins, and that's just not going to cut it for the Aggies. So uh, Aggie fans are not going to like week one. Let's go to a uh, another uh, game of local interest, and it's going to be LSU, which is actually playing Wisconsin at the Green Bay Packers Lambeau Field. Tigers are a 10-point favorite. Uh, Dolores went with LSU. Jeremy, who are you going with? I'm going with LSU on this one. Uh, I'm looking at LSU in terms of the college football playoff. I think that they have a real chance of making it there. Uh, Wisconsin is a team that's kind of on and off in the Big Ten. So I'm going with LSU, and I think that they cover the spread. Well, this is going to dovetail nicely with my uh, college football playoff picks. I'm picking LSU as one of my four, so I certainly can't pick them to lose the first game of the season here. I will also pick LSU to cover the spread. Yeah, it's going to be a clean sweep. Uh, Leonard Fournette, beast of a running back, playing in Lambeau Field. I just think LSU gets it done, wins by more than 10 points. So I'm going to go with the Tigers there. Uh, the next game is going to be uh, another game of local interest. We've got Notre Dame as a two-and-a-half-point favorite against the University of Texas and Charlie Strong. That game is going to take place in Austin. Dolores actually went with Notre Dame in that game. And uh, Jeremy, who are you going with? been paying pretty close attention to the improvements that Charlie Strong has been making to the UT football team over this over the offseason. Uh, I actually think that they come out and win this one for once. I, I think that uh, Texas, despite all the difficulties and troubles that they've been through, I think this is Charlie Strong's last year at Texas unless he pulls off a miracle season, and I think that this could be the start of it. I do think that their team is ready. Um, I think, uh, especially on offense, that they're going to be much better, and I, I really do think that they're going to pull this one off at home. 
Well, in the spirit of schadenfreude, there's really nothing uh, more valuable or fun to me than watching the whole city of Austin shuffle away from a really, really bad loss. And uh, so I'm just betting my feelings here, but I got Notre Dame to cover. Yeah, Notre Dame, they had some offseason issues uh, the past week with, uh, I believe, six players being arrested. Uh, But at the end of the day, I I think Brian Kelly knows that he has a very, very talented team in South Bend, uh, and he's got some talent there. Um, He's got some great wide receivers, senior Torrey Hunter. Uh, He's got uh, two quarterbacks that he's probably going to rotate in and out, and that's going to be Deshaun Kaiser and Malik Zaire, both upperclassmen. So I think Brian Kelly gets the job done. Uh, I, I haven't seen anything from Charlie Strong and the University of Texas to give me any hope that they are actually going to improve this season. I think he's another guy that's going to be on the hot seat. And that brings us to our final game of significant local interest, and that's the Oklahoma Sooners, which are 10-point favorites against the local U of H Cougars, Kevin's alma mater, and the Sooners are 10-point favorites. Dolores is picking a U of H to cover the spread. Jeremy, what about you? I think Houston wins outright. I'm, I'm picking the Cougs to win outright in this game. They uh, had a fantastic bowl game against a very good Florida State teams, and uh, Oklahoma has demonstrated that they can uh, – become Choklahoma at the drop of a hat. So um, I'm, I'm not at all, I wouldn't at all be surprised if Houston beat them by at least two touchdowns. I would be shocked by that. That would absolutely blow me away. I hope you're right, Jeremy. I am, uh, I kind of wish that I'd gone before you because you're even more gung-ho about the school than I am, but uh, I'm going to pick Houston to win outright. I agree with Eschenfelder, who we'll hear from in a few minutes. I think it's going to be a pretty close game either way. Um, and just given the parameters we established for this little betting contest, it would make more sense for me to pick Houston to win that. I think it's going to be neck and neck. Um, I like Houston to win outright in that one. Yeah, so Oklahoma has a Heisman quarterback candidate. Uh, U of H Heisman, Heisman quarterback candidate I think you probably give the edge to Oklahoma when it comes to defense and to me I think that's going to be the difference maker in the game uh like Kevin Eschenfelder is going to say here in a few minutes uh, I I think that this is going to be a close game Uh, Sooners are a a 10-point favorite but one thing to note is that Oklahoma does struggle early on in the season I think that they really start to find their groove toward the end of the year last year they went uh, to Tennessee and won that game in overtime 31 to 24 it's going to be a very hostile environment. There are going to be a ton of Coug fans. I think the Sooners are going to travel uh, well. Uh, I think ultimately the Sooners are going to win the game, but I think it's going to be closer than a lot of people think. So I'm going to go, I'm, I'm going to take the points for uh, U of H. So uh, it, it should be a fun game. See, and I just feel like you left money on the table there. I mean, if you think it's going to be that close, unless you're absolutely certain that Oklahoma is going to win by like, you know, a touchdown or less, then why not take Houston just outright? I don't think, I don't think the Cougars are going to win the game. I honestly don't. I, th- I think it's going to be a close game down in the stretch. I think there's probably a more likelihood of Oklahoma uh, winning big late. I think it's going to be close probably through, you know, three and a half quarters, somewhere in that range. And I think Oklahoma uh, has more depth than U of H. Sure. Um, a lot of pundits are saying that this is the probably one of the best teams in the Bob Stoops era. I mean, you look at the two running backs they have. So Marjorie P. Ryan and then Joe Mixon. I mean – that's that's very very difficult to defend i mean you've got a guy who can run that can pound it north to south you got a guy that can go uh you know coast to coast and you know the more that i think about it baker mayfield two strong running backs i'm gonna take oklahoma i'm gonna switch my pick and i'm gonna go oklahoma cover? i'm gonna take oklahoma to cover look, look if there's one thing that oklahoma uh, does is they get overconfident and they underestimate teams with a lot of talent houston is a team with a lot of talent um, if I can go back and think about the Oklahoma Baylor games the past couple of years, they do tend to go back and forth. But Oklahoma makes these tactical errors, especially early in the season, um, that sort of put them at a disadvantage uh, going into the college football playoff, which is why I don't think they're a contender. But I, I think that Houston right now, uh, coming off that big bowl win and having all of offseason, all the offseason to prepare for this huge opener game, I think that they might come out and win it big. So that game takes place Saturday, September 3rd, kicks off at 11 a.m. on ABC. And just really quickly, looking at the Sooners opening four games, they play at U of H, ULM at home. That should be an easy, easy W. Then they take on Ohio State at home on Saturday, September 17th. And they have a bye week, open up Big 12 play with TCU on the road. So I, I don't know that there's a tougher four-game stretch to start a season anywhere else in the country uh, outside of OU. So if OU does make it into the college football playoff, they will have earned it. But speaking of the college football playoff, uh, let's go ahead and give our predictions real quick. And uh, the four teams that we think are going to make the uh, the college football playoff. And uh, Jeremy, let's go ahead and start with you. 
Who do you have in the playoff, and who do you have as your national champion? National champion, uh, that's kind of hard for me to say at this point. I do have Alabama going to the playoff. I've got TCU going to the playoff. I'm going to have to go with Stanford uh, as my Pac-12 playoff contender. Did you just f- rip mine off? No. No, I've got – no, I didn't f- f- yours off. We had a little a little pre-podcast discussion, and some things have shifted here since we last spoke. Because a few moments ago, you said Ohio State and Michigan. <laughs> looking at the looking at my playoff picks, I've got Alabama, I've got Ohio State, I've got Stanford, and I've got TCU. Uh, Masters national champion, that's kind of hard to say at this point. Um, but I think that the Crimson Tide might take it again. I hope not. I hope against hope that I'm wrong, but that's who I'm going with. Well said. And uh, <laughs> I'm just very amused by what happened here just a moment ago. Um, I'm going to pick LSU, Clemson, Michigan, and anybody want to guess? Cougs. Houston Cougars. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I think they're in the playoffs this year. It all hinges on the first game. But honestly, if they beat OU, which I think they will, I've obviously already bet coffee on it. Uh, then I think that it is a pretty clear shot to the college football playoffs. Yeah, they have another tough game uh, against Louisville, but I think that they would probably be the favorites in that game. And I, I think the biggest thing for the Cougs, if they do beat Oklahoma, is to uh, make sure they can keep their head on straight because uh, it's going to be an immense amount of pressure. There's essentially a clear path to the college football playoff if you win that game against OU. The rest of the schedule is fairly light. Uh, and you've got to stay healthy as well. But uh, I think for me, the four teams that I'm going to pick are going to be Clemson. I think that they have a, a Heisman front runner. Uh, you know, Deshaun Watson at quarterback. He's one of the best in the country. I think he's out for vengeance this year after losing that game to uh, Alabama last year. Uh, I also am going to pick LSU coming out of the SEC. And the reason why I think both LSU and Bama are going to be very, very solid programs this year. Leonard Fournette, one of the best running backs in the country. If he can stay healthy, that game is being played in Baton Rouge in Death Valley. It's probably going to be a game on a Saturday night and, uh, LSU doesn't lose at home on Saturday nights. And so I think LSU is going to win that game at home and win the SEC West and ultimately the SEC and head to the college football playoff. Uh, Stanford, Christian McCaffrey, he's probably my Heisman front runner right now. Uh, he can do it all. Uh, return kicks, great running back. I think that he leads Stanford to a uh, Pac-12 title. And uh, I think that a team from the Big 12 is going to make it this year. And uh, that team, I think, is going to be TCU. I, I, I like Oklahoma, but I think that they're going to slip up uh, some way. I think the Big 12 is going to be an underrated league this year. So whether they slip up against U of H, whether it's Ohio State, or uh, whether it's the rivalry game, the Bedlam game against uh, Oklahoma State, that's going to be a challenging game. And also, Oklahoma has struggled the last few years against Texas, even though they've, uh, you know, Charlie Strong has put out pedestrian teams. So I like TCU and Gary Patterson coming out of um, – uh, the Big 12 Conference and making it to the playoff. For my national champion, I, I think it's going to be, I think the national championship game is going to come down to LSU Clemson. I think those are going to be the top two teams of the polls, and I, I really think quarterback play makes a difference. So I'm going to have to go with Clemson and Deshaun Watson uh, coming out as the national champions this year. So if you are in South Carolina, it's going to be a fun year. So Jeremy is going with Alabama, Kevin going with Clemson, myself going with Clemson. Um, I think it should be a fun year. Definitely ready for college football to get here. And if uh, you want to watch college football, the best way to do it is to uh, do with some great food. And with great food comes we desserts. Yeah, obviously you want to pair great food with really, really terrific sweets. Uh, really anything you can get over there. I got to say, I was, uh, I was over there this week. They made a Monsters, Inc. cake. Are you guys familiar with this Monsters, Inc. film? I uh, totally recommend watching it, but they made a really, really cute, uh, amazing cake. So if you have kids or if you know kids, if you want to impress a kid, um, that sounds weird. You shouldn't want to impress kids for bad reasons, you know what I'm saying? But but if you if you have a good, legitimate reason to give a cake to a child and the parents wouldn't mind, then you should go to Wee Desserts. They can make really creative, interesting things. The point is that at Wee Desserts, all of your dreams and imaginations can come true. So go talk to uh, Penny and Jen at Wee Desserts, the proprietors of Wee Desserts. Uh, tell them you listen to the weekly brew the voice of houston and you'll get a 10 percent discount off of anything that you ask them for there uh and again those cakes that they make those really delightful cartoon cakes are uh, terrific be sure to stop by we desserts at 3411 kirby here in h-town uh tell penny and jen that the guys from the weekly brew sent you by and you'll get 10 percent off but also we want to make sure that you follow our social media channels as well just search weekly brewcast on facebook twitter instagram and youtube also, you can subscribe to our website at weeklybrewcast.com. We have a fun show in store for you. We've got head coach David Bailiff from Rice University, Kevin Eschenfolder from Root Sports, and Adam Coleman from the Houston Chronicle. Uh, we've got a packed show on deck, so it's time to sit back, relax, and be informed.
You're listening to The Weekly Brew. The college football season officially kicks off this week, and the Rice Owls open their 2016 campaign on the road at Upstart Western Kentucky. And now joining us on The Weekly Brew to discuss the upcoming season for the Owls is head coach David Bailiff, who is entering his 10th season. And coach, thanks for joining us this week. You bet. Excited about this. Yeah, the Owls return seven starters on offense this year and nine on defense, but your September schedule isn't easy. Leading off the season with Western Kentucky, then you have Army on the road, and then your home opener against number 23, Baylor. How does a tough September schedule prepare your team for you know the rigors of Conference USA play down the stretch and that non-conference finale against Stanford? You know, the one thing that you really do is, is you want to play a very worthy opponent week one. Uh, because it shows you where you're good, what you need to work on. Uh, you know, it may be your punt team on uh, your special team that you're not quite fast enough. You know, that's why there's such a great learning curve from week one to week two. You know, it allows you to get your personnel that right now we firmly believe we've got the right guys in there. But your first opponent's going to show you if that's really the case. So last year you guys struggled with some injuries. Obviously you have a lot of those guys uh, coming back healthy. Plus you had some freshmen you played last year that are now going to be more mature, hopefully. Uh, what do you see as being kind of the real the strength of this team, the one thing you sort of hang your hat on? Well, I tell you defensively, I think our linebackers are probably the tops of the conference. You have Alex Lyons from the Metroplex there. We have Emmanuel Ellerby. And we've moved Tabari McGaskey to the strong safety or low safety. And those three guys can really run. And Alex and Tabari are both seniors. And Alex has led our team in tackles for the last two seasons. So he's a wily old veteran. And we just, we're going to run a lot better. And we played so many freshmen last year in the defensive line that just weren't quite mature enough. But I think this year the Blaine Pageants, uh, Zach Abercrombie, those guys, they've, you know, they, they've matured, they're ready to play. Um, I think you'll see big improvement defensively. Now, kind of looking at the other side of the ball, you're breaking at a new quarterback this year and uh, fifth-year senior Tyler Staling, who was a standout at Klein Collins here in Houston. And he's a guy that's you know got a big frame. He's 6'5", about 215, played in five games last year. What does he bring to the table, and what have you seen from him, not only in spring ball but in fall camp? Well, I tell you what he's done in fall camp is he's made great decisions with the football uh, where we haven't had a lot of turnovers, and it's been him – Uh, either throwing the ball out of bounds, not trying to force it, and just making sure we have all our running backs are back from last season. Uh, The majority of our receivers are back from back season. So we have some very dynamic players, and he just needs to make sure he gets the ball, you know, to those guys or gets rid of it when he's under pressure. And I've really liked how he's conducted himself this this camp. He's got an incredible arm. Uh, He's not as as fast as Taylor McCord was or, or Dreyfus Jackson, but he you know he can run the football when he needs to. But so far, it's been his decision making with the ball in his hands. Now, one of the guys that I look at on your roster is actually uh, Zach Wright, and I covered him when he was a senior at College Park High School. And you know he was a quarterback that uh, of a triple option team, and you know he was a standout on the basketball court. And then he walked onto your program at Rice and. You know, last year was the leader of your receiving core. He's a guy that needs just 36 catches to become the 12th Al in program history to have 100 career receptions. How special is he to the program, you know, going from walk-on to now a relied-upon wide receiver? You know, he's amazing. He's one of those guys that loves football. I mean, he loves to practice. He loves the weight room. He loves his teammates. You know, Zach doesn't have bad bad days, and it's the – you know, you see, you know, last year we had 10 guys in the NFL, and they were our hardest workers. And Zach, since the day he's got here, has been one of the hardest workers on this football team. And he is quite a leader on both sides of the football. Uh, you know, he does everything right from his attitude, from his work ethic to putting this team first. You know, it's one of those you can't imagine a season without him. One thing I wonder about, obviously, we are a Houston podcast. We love Houston. Rice is an integral part of Houston. But, uh, you know, you guys are kind of different. You have very high academic standards. You've mentioned before that, you know, uh, it's, I think at Media Day, you said that you have guys with five-star minds. Uh, and I think a lot of people talk about maybe the disadvantages of having those high academic standards. But I, from your perspective, I'm curious, wh- what are the advantages that come with having a, a core group of guys that really are uh, that bright and that motivated? Well, uh, you know, as I said, we had 10 guys in the NFL last season more than at any time in the history of Rice. And I tell you what it is, what the advantage is, like when we do the camps here in Rice or in Dallas, only guys that think they're admissible show up to them. So we get rid of a lot of the clutter early, which allows us to narrow our focus in recruiting. 
and go after the young men that we know are admissible to this university. Uh, you know, that's why every year, too, we're a developmental school. You know, we're going to win with seniors, and we're going to need to develop them. And, um, you know, we can take those like Calvin Anderson, our starting left offensive tackle. He was a guy that was 260 out of high school, but a tremendous athlete. You know, he's up to 290 now as a sophomore. And, you know, those are the young men we target that we know are going to be very successful in the classroom here. They're going to graduate. And, uh, you know, that's in 13 when we won the conference, we had 19 fifth-year seniors. And that's that's how we do it. You know, we're very similar to Butler in basketball. That's a good comparison there. And, uh, you know, you just mentioned that you had 10 guys in the NFL. And one of the guys that I look at is Christian Covington, who's a defensive tackle for the Texans, entering his second season. He was a guy that was picked in the sixth round but is kind of making waves uh, during uh, preseason camp this year. How important was he to the Rice program, and how special is it to know that he's playing for his hometown team and that you can, you know, go across the street essentially to NRG Stadium and see him play? Well, you know what, it's quite uplifting, and it's quite uplifting – Two on his days off, he still comes over here and checks on this football team. You know, our, our guys need to see that all their dreams can come true academically and athletically. And, and Christian is a poster child of Rice football. You know, he's nine of our ten guys that are in the NFL have already graduated, and he's one of our graduates. So you mentioned, uh, again, in Media Days, you're very excited about the season. I know one thing you guys are really excited about is that Brian Patterson Sports Performance Center, $33 million project, 60,000 square foot, two-story structure, you know, weight room, home team locker room, everything that you guys could want. What's, uh, what has the difference been having the, it's the players get in there and actually be able to see and use that facility? It's just great for your mental health uh, that you, you walk into this world-class facility. Uh, and, it, you know, it truly is. I mean, it's 60,000 square foot of everywhere you go. You say, wow. Uh, you know, it's just, it's incredible. It was needed. Uh, biggest project in, uh, you know, Rice athletic history, I guess, really since the stadium. Uh, so it, it's phenomenal. And just what it does for the mental health, just the room, you know, in camp of the training rooms to have all the cold water plunge pools and to have the underwater treadmill, things that get your players back on the field faster. And just, you know, even in the locker room where all the, the lockers are, you know, nice oversized wood locker, and every one of them has its own plug-in, so they can charge their phones while while they're at practice. So, all the all the details are in this building. You know, we have nice classrooms now, so when we're teaching football, you know, we're in a great learning environment. You know, we're not crammed in anywhere. It just it's from the mental health of this team and to show recruits the commitment level of, of Rice University to Rice Athletics, I think it's special. And to find a guy like Brian Patterson, you know, that's what we tell the recruits when, when they come here or when we're recruiting them. You know, we tell them after five years after you graduate, they call you the boss. <laughs> ten years ten years, we expect you to pay your scholarship back, and that's $300,000. And at 30 or 40 years, we expect you to name a building after yourself. <laughs> that is exactly what Brian Patterson has done, allowing us to move into this great facility. So this is undeniably an era of uh, massive conference realignments. You know, you have uh, U of H making its pitch to the Big 12 and so forth. I think a lot of people aren't satisfied. But, and actually, you know, as a U of H alum, I do I miss the Bayou bucket, you know, seeing Rice matched up with Houston every year. But uh, I'm just curious, for, from your standpoint, where do you uh, – is Conference USA the right place for Rice at this time? You know, first let me, let me go to the Bayou bucket. I love that. I think it should be the opening game every year uh, for the city of Houston. I really miss, you know, competing against U of H and, and playing for that ugly old Bayou bucket. I think it's good <laughs> for the city. I think it's good for both universities. And, you know, we're bringing that back in a year where they're back on our schedule. I don't know how that ever lapsed, and I hope it never lapses again. I think right now, uh, you know, everybody dreams big. Uh, I think with the new facilities and the different things, you know, uh, we're, I think, you know, we're very happy with Conference USA. Uh, I don't, you know, I'm not sure we're making bids anywhere at this point, but I'm sure that's always on everybody's mind. Uh, speaking of Conference USA, I mean, it's a, in my opinion, a very underrated league. I mean, you've got Western Kentucky, who last year just had a breakout season. Uh, you know, Louisiana Tech is always putting out a, a solid uh, team, a solid schedule. Where does Rice fit in this year in the, um, I guess, the landscape of Conference USA? And how do you think, uh, what are some expectations for the team heading into the season? Yeah, you know, we had gone to three straight bowl games, and last year went 5-7 and seven and didn't attain a bowl. And there's power in failure. I mean, it refocuses refocuses you as a coach. It refocuses your assistants, 
refocuses your players. I mean, winning college football games are hard. And I, I think as hard as that was on us, I think it was a valuable lesson on how you have to prepare every week and respect your opponents every week, and you can't take anything for granted. You know, you got to show up ever. Well, usually every Saturday, although we open on Thursday, and you know, and bring your A game and bring the greatest effort you can play with and the greatest passion. Uh, you know, we had gotten to those three years of bowl by being the best team. You know, we weren't always the biggest, the fastest, the strongest, but we were the best team. We were the least penalized. We were the smartest. We were the most passionate, and we got to get back to our roots. One other thing that I want to ask you about the scheduling is, uh, you know, you open the season against Western Kentucky, which is a little bit odd to open up against a conference team, but you close the season with Stanford. You have Baylor as your home opener, and then uh, Rice and LSU have uh, a few games scheduled here in just a few years. How is it that Rice is, you know, in the era of the uh, the college football playoff, how is it that Rice is able to bring Power 5 teams, uh, you know, like a Baylor to Houston and also schedule, uh, you know, four games against LSU? How important is it to your program to be able to have those games? Well, I think it's, I think it's paramount. I think also, you know, those teams want to recruit Houston. Uh, I think it's great, though, that we're playing Baylor, you know, in our home stadium. We're, you know, we're not moving the game. It'll give us a chance to show off our new facilities. Uh, you know, I like playing uh, those teams. Once again, you like it even earlier because they can expose you of what you need to work on and, and you know, some of the moves you need to make. And things you really think you're good at, all of a sudden you get in those games and you're not. You know, and you got to go back and, <laughs> and figure out some solutions to the problems that those teams will present for you. Coach, I live a few minutes away from Rice University, and uh, I always make it a point each year to go check out Rice baseball. And uh, this year with my Baylor Bears playing at uh, Rice, I'm definitely looking forward to coming out and seeing the new facilities. But for other people in the city that might not have been out to a Rice game in recent years, what can they expect from this year's team and, uh, you know, kind of the excitement around Rice football? Well, you know what? Uh, One, our team, we're going to play extremely hard. It's going to be a passionate, great college football game. And it's, I think it's a, not only a team but a university that does everything right uh, from a standpoint of, you know, what's good in this world. And, uh, you know, uh, I think we'll earn a lot of people's respect if they'll come out and see the brand of football that we do play. Well, Coach, we definitely appreciate you, uh, you taking the time out and joining us on the Weekly Brew Podcast this week. And uh, we wish you the best of luck this season as uh, we hope to see Rice in a bowl game this year. Me too. You know what? You can't spell bowl without owl, right? I like it. (laughs) You guys have a great day. Good luck on the show. You're listening to The Weekly Brew. Now joining us on The Weekly Brew podcast is Kevin Eschenfelder, a return guest who uh, does it all for Roots Sports here in Houston, covering uh, the Astros, the Rockets, and uh, pretty much every single sports team in the town. And uh, Kevin, last time we spoke with you was episode 46 of the podcast, and uh, the Astros at that point were probably the hottest team in Major League Baseball, specifically the American League. And uh, they've come on some hard times here in the last few weeks, whether it's injury issues, pitching issues issues, uh, but they seem to have found their, I guess, stride again. Do the Astros have enough time left on the schedule to make a playoff push? I think they do. Uh, it's going to, you know, stranger things have happened, and I don't think it's, it's by any means a stretch that they could make the postseason. Obviously, the odds are, are not in their favor right now, but, you know, you put together a nice little run, and, and the thing is, is that if they do, they will certainly have earned it with a couple of series coming up against Texas. Uh, they have to go to Cleveland, so it's not an easy easy trek at all. But then again, uh, they just went five and two on a on a seven game road trip that went through Baltimore and then Pittsburgh. And Baltimore was a team that was playing very well. Taking three out of four there was huge. And then uh, then that that uh, taking two out of three from Pittsburgh was also really big for this team. So we'll see how it plays out. But they're going to have to. The offense, offense is obviously going to have to come around. Bregman has, has really impressed me over the last uh, last couple of weeks and what he's been able to do once he started hitting. He really hasn't stopped. And, and uh, Teoscar Hernandez, another addition since we last spoke, has, has played well as well. So uh, hoping to keep it going. And, you know, it was kind of the pitching that abandoned them during their, their stretch of really struggling, the pitching and the offense. That's a bad combination. And uh, hopefully they will stay, uh, be, able to, be able to pull it together and, and, and make a run. Yeah, I kind of want to dive into Bregman and uh, Teoscar Hernandez. I mean, Hernandez looks like a guy who could potentially be starting uh, next year for the Astros in center field. But uh, with Bregman, he had such a slow start, uh, but he's really turned it on of late. I believe he's hitting around 220-230 right now, and he's torn it up the last 10-15 games. What was it for him uh, you know, that just kind of clicked 
in terms of his offensive approach and how important has it been for the Astros to be able to have guys like Bregman and Hernandez be able to contribute at this late in the season? It's, it's obviously very, very important. But, uh, you know, you look at Bregman, and when they brought him up, you know, he had torn it up in the minor leagues. But when they brought him up, he was in a stretch of about one for 11. And there's something to be said about bringing a guy up when he's hot. I understand why the Astros did it when they did it. But, uh, you know, so maybe that was just a, a, a slump that continued from where he was. But right now, man, he looks like a tough guy to get out. He, the ball he hit out in Pittsburgh the other day to right center field up into the uh, – uh, up into the, the – the, Pirates logo up there. That was uh, that was impressive for a guy his size to hit one up there. Anytime you hit a home run in Pittsburgh, uh, that's big. But where he hit that one, and uh, and Teoscar Hernandez too. I mean, he's he's got a guy that showed a lot of pop, and uh, obviously he's a, a good defensive center fielder. That uh, uh, you got to like both of those guys as far as being a huge part of the future of this uh, this team. Well, obviously we love the Astros uh, here in Houston, but uh, particularly close to my heart would be the Houston Cougars, and you are the voice of Houston football on the radio, of course. Uh, I don't know if you saw this, but Jerome Solomon called it the year of the Cougar in the Houston Chronicle, and it does feel like that with all the hype surrounding this team, uh, obviously leading up to uh, one of the biggest games of the opening week of the season, that uh, Advocare Texas kickoff against OU, which is going to be quite a big test there. But, uh, I, I mean, just you obviously are very intimately involved with the team, and you're kind of uh, at the center of a lot of this hype, too. I mean, what does it feel like kind of knowing this could be a really huge year for the program, and you might be able to be uh, the voice of that huge year. Well, you know, it's it's with guarded optimism, but I will tell you this: it's the the uh, and expectations. I, I can't remember the expectations really ever being any higher. And uh, you know, sometimes that scares you. Uh, you know, we're going to find out. We'll find out what they are. I know. I know what I saw with them against Florida State, and I don't think anybody gave them a. Uh, a puncher's chance in that game and the fact is they were double digit underdogs in that game they're double digit underdogs in this game i still to this day and i've told you guys this before uh, i've never seen a tom herman team be the lesser of the two as far as preparation is concerned they they may not have as much talent as the other team on the field uh but they're they're better coached and they're more prepared to play uh i, I expect to see that again with oklahoma uh, i don't see either one of these teams beating the other one by by a, a big margin uh, but no, it's it's fun. It's you know it's it's fun to be relevant. Uh, I just uh, you know with expectations again when you've been around the program a long time and you, you've seen good times and you've seen bad. You know you, you do have the guarded optimism and and you know that it's a fine line and they don't have the depth that a lot of others. You know they don't have the depth Oklahoma has. The injuries can can make a difference with them. But uh, but I, lo- I like their chances and uh, all season long. I like the way their schedule sets up. Uh, the fact that they play Louisville in November uh, is another one that could be something that could be memorable to the voters uh, as far as a uh, victory late in the season. And, uh, you know, I'm, I can't remember the last time I was looking forward to a season as much as this one. You know, you mentioned Coach Tom Herman. He gets a lot of press, and he's one of the quote-unquote hottest coaches in college football, whatever that means. Uh, but he certainly got this UH program playing at an incredible level, uh, and he got them there in like a relatively short period of time. So I'm curious, just you're going to be doing some coaches shows with him, actually, in uh, Root Sports in conjunction with the Valenti School of Communication at U of H. But uh, what, what is it that Coach Tom Herman does so well, and what makes him so effective, and why is he uh, the hottest guy in college football, as people say? Well, the results based for the first, and obviously you look at the pedigree. When a guy goes from coaching as a wide receivers coach at Texas Lutheran uh, to being the offensive coordinator at Ohio State and winning a national championship within 15 years, you know, 15 years is a long time if you're in prison. 15 years is not a long time if you're coaching. And uh, <laughs> the fact is, is that yeah, it was a meteoric rise. And, and, and again, I, I just, just being around the guy, I've, I've never seen a guy, I've never seen a team this prepared. That's what's crazy about it. And I'm and I'm not. I'm not going to profess, and I think most people that talk about X's and O's really don't know what they're talking about anyway but when I'm talking about the media people. But uh, I'm not going to profess to know X's and O's, but I know last year they started about eight different offensive line combinations, and every week they were able to stay away from weaknesses and play to strengths. And, and I mean, when you look at some of the things they did, he's very innovative. I mean, against Navy last year, people don't understand this unless you follow the program every game. Navy last year, a team that was ranked in, a nationally ranked team, they took a cornerback who had never had a rush, had a carry at running back in his life, a cornerback, their starting corner. And again, kid rushed for over 100 yards because all of their backs were hurt. And what they did is they didn't need that cornerback because Navy's a running team, so they played an extra extra safety or an extra linebacker. And, I mean, that, those are the innovative things that they do. And, uh, 
defensively, that's where I think, you know, everybody talks about, when they talk about Houston, they think Tom Herman and they think quarterback whisperer and all that, and they think offense. And the defense to me was, was what, I, mean, I thought the defense was fantastic last year. I always remember this stat. Florida State had minus 15 yards rushing in the first half of the Peach Bowl last year. And Dalvin mm-hmm. Cook led the country in, in rushing per yard, uh, per carry. And uh, Dalvin Cook, towards the fourth quarter, he was, I mean, he was tapping out. So, I mean, it, they have a way of, of, of taking a team and making them uh, one-dimensional. And I, I think Tom Herman is ahead of that. And he's got a very good coaching staff as well. But he's uh, he, he's He's maniacal as far as the preparation is concerned, and he's got a way of communicating with uh, with his players. There's kind of a lot of hype around the program this year. I mean, the Cougs come in ranked number 15 in the AP poll, which is our highest ranking since 1991. Greg Ward, Heisman candidate. Uh, you've got tons of talent everywhere. Uh, Herman, obviously, uh, coming off the Peach Bowl win. And, and I know he said that the team should not focus on that. You know, that was in the past. It's not this year. Is there any concern that this team could potentially buy into that hype and not perform to expectations? Or do you think that Herman has a good hold and grip on this team? With other team, with other schools, with other teams, I could see that happening. With this one, I, I, I would be shocked. I say there's zero percent chance of that happening. I mean, they on all the backs of their their t-shirts and everything says one and zero because that's what they think about. They think about going one and zero this season or one and zero this week, and that's all they care about. And I, and then there's one thing it could be hyperbole with some people. I mean, I, I know him, and, and it is that he lives it. He lives it. They live it, and. Uh, and again, it's it, he has changed. He's changed the culture, and uh, you know, it, it's they really believe in that. So no, I would be absolutely shocked. And hype almost has a negative connotation. What did they do to become hype? I mean, they beat Florida State. They they went fourteen and one. That's what they did. So right. uh, if success means hype, then then bring me all the hype I can get. <laughs> Uh, as Austin mentioned, a guy who's getting a lot of hype would be Greg Ward, the uh, the quarterback there, the signal caller for Tom Herman. And you mentioned you know quarterback whisper, that whole thing. Greg Ward, obviously a top tier player, and he is getting some early Heisman buzz as he did last season before. I think some injury stuff kind of derailed him. But just uh, in your mind, where does Greg Ward rank among active NCAA quarterbacks and the impact he can have on the field for the offense? Well, you know, you obviously got a pretty good one at Clemson, but I mean, you know, it's it's an interesting story with Greg because you know he came in as a quarterback. Uh, John O'Corn was the, became the starter as a freshman. They were both freshmen, and then uh, you know they they knew they had to get Greg on the field. They knew they had to get the ball in Greg's hands, so they moved him to receiver. They, whatever they could do to get the ball to him, and people forget about that. He was a punt returner and a, and a receiver. And uh, then when John O'Corn struggled, they they got him, and, you know, under center again. Or, or nobody takes a snap under center anymore. But you know what I mean. Uh, but they, they moved him to quarterback, back to quarterback, and uh, you know I think what he has done he's he's grown immensely from what i saw in the first couple of weeks of last season uh and you know just talking with coach they talk about him and, and you know not watching the rush and, and not looking to run first and not not panicking and, and pulling the ball down and taking off which he's great at but uh you know to stay with his progressions and, and read through his progressions and, and make sure he exhausts all of those and then running is the final uh the final avenue and then but that's something you really saw last season uh, was that, that he understood? You could see the maturity. You, you could see the maturation process for Greg because he did sit through things, and you could tell that there were times that he would have pulled the ball down and, and taken off and gone to, into it, not panic mode, but going into what you do best. And uh, he stayed through it and, and delivered the football down the field, and it got better as the season went on. And uh, he also, when early on, I mean, he would take hits, but you know, towards the end of the season, you got Seller. He was wiser and was able to step out of bounds or. Or, or go down before he took those hits, knowing that his team needed him. So he's, it's been a remarkable growth process for Greg Ward as a quarterback. Kind of transitioning here, on Thursday, uh, Chairman of the Board, Tillman Fertitta, announced a, a $20 million gift that's essentially going to rename Hoffine's Pavilion. How important is this that you know you have someone like Fertitta who is willing to, you know, Put money behind his words, you know, actually back the university, especially at a time when a potential Big 12 expansion could come calling with U of H being on the short list. Well, we all know. I mean, you know, money's a big part of everything. Money money drives a train. I mean, you got to have facilities if you want to compete. You got to have facilities if you want to recruit. You got to have you got to recruit if you want players and, and you got to have players if you want to win. And uh, that's where it starts. So, uh, you know, it, it's obviously it's very big. And, and Tillman has been a big part of uh, once he came on board and then, you know, he's on the Board of Regents and now the, the head of the Board of Regents, and 
you know, I almost feel, and I've not talked to him about this or anything else, but it's uh, almost a, a personal thing for him at that point to uh, to make sure that, that, that this thing doesn't fail. And uh, it's good to have somebody like that to be on your side, that's for sure. You know, it's interesting, Jake Trotter uh, Thursday morning wrote about uh, the whole idea of Houston to the Big 12 or the Houston television market. Um, an unnamed source of his says, is Houston really going to bring that market back to the Big 12? I don't think so. They just don't move the needle. This is an SEC town now, and that's probably not changing. And maybe I'm biased, but I see a lot of U of H talk and coverage, and I do frequent those message boards and so forth. But, I mean, do you think that if Houston is successful this season, uh, whatever that ends up looking like, particularly if they win that first game against OU, is this uh, an avowedly SEC town, or does Houston have the ability to get the market on its side and maybe be even of more value to the Big 12? Yes, it's, a, it's an SEC town now. No, I don't know if Houston makes it, if, if Houston, adding Houston changes that, but I do know this, not adding Houston is certainly not going to change it if that makes any sense. Uh, what, what do you have to lose if you're the Big 12? I, I still just think that they're going to, you know, just my own personal opinion, I think it's going to be it's going to be difficult. I mean, you've had people like Mike Gundy who says, I, I can't recruit if Houston's in the Big 12. And so, I mean, you, you know, Oklahoma State's out, and then simple numbers tell you, what do they have to have? Uh, eight of the ten say yes. So, and I think that's going to be difficult to do, but hopefully it will happen. Well, my next question for you is this. It's pretty simple with the Big 12 talks going around and uh, Herman being one of the hottest names in college football. Next year when we're having this conversation with you preparing for the 2017 season, is Tom Herman the head coach at U of H, and is U of H preparing for their inaugural season in the Big 12? Well, uh, first of all, you know, he's the head coach at, at University of Houston right now. And I, I know I've been asked this, and I'm not skirting the question. I've been asked this a hundred times. I, I, you know what? He's the head coach at the University of Houston. Uh, we all understand it is what it is, and, and, and I hope he's still going to be there. If, uh, you know, it happens when you have success. But uh, I'm enjoying it right now, and uh, I have no reason to believe, you know, going anywhere else will be, I think, his full focus is winning football games at the U of H, and and, and that's what I'm gonna that's what I'm gonna be concerned with right now. And as for the Big Twelve, you know, flip a coin. I, I really, I mean, again, I know you want me to say yes or no. I just, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I, I can see it. I can see it. I run it through my mind, and uh, you know, both ways, and I can see why it makes sense. I, I can't see why it doesn't make sense, but I can also see why people don't want them in. And if you're the if you're out there recruiting, and the only card that you can play against the U of H. If you're from, you know, Houston's beating Oklahoma State or the schools in the Big 12, they're, they're beating them on some of these kids. If you're the Big 12 schools that are in there, why why give them that chip back? Why give them that card back? That's the only card you can play against them. Well, we swear to you, Kevin, we are not asking for a yes or no. It's not that kind of show. We just wanted your honest opinion, and that was a, that was a good take. But I'm, I'm really curious about I got an email from Bassity about uh, what's going on with the Valenti uh, School of Communication over at U of H and the partnership with Root Sports. I gather that starting, uh, I believe, September 8th, there's going to be a coach's show with you and Coach Tom Herman, and there are some students involved in the production of it. Can you give us some details about that? Uh, I, you know, broad strokes, I just uh, – I haven't really dug deep into it. We, I've hosted the show for – you know, I used to, I hosted the Kevin Sumlin show for years. Uh, so I've done it for a long time. They have moved it, and they've been trying to do this for quite some time. It's moving into the Olympic School of Communications, which I'm I'm really excited about from the standpoint of of uh, having students be able to get hands on. And I know all too well because as somebody who started in this business a long time ago, it's, you, you can read everything you want in a book, and you can watch videos all day long, but until you go out and do it and put your hands on cameras or or, or audio equipment, or how to conduct yourself in a, in a somewhat live-to-tape studio setting. Uh, you haven't really learned anything. So hopefully, and I'm hoping I, you know, I'm hoping they'll listen to me, and then I'd like to impart some of my experience with them. And then, and, and uh, that's what I'm really looking forward to with, uh, with Coach Herman this season. Well, I would also like you to impart some wisdom and experience to me, too. Uh, particularly, what's it like working with Ted Pardee? Because Austin and I are about to become broadcast partners, and actually, by the time this drops, we will have broadcast our first game together. And I'm looking for some tips to maintain a healthy, healthy, successful dynamic in the booth and make sure we avoid tension. Uh, be yourself. You won't, you won't have any tension. You'll be fine. The, uh, <laughs> uh, just uh, enjoy it. Have fun with it. No, it's not the end of the world. It's just a game, and uh, that would be my biggest thing first. And uh, tell people what they can't see. That's 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 what doing radio play-by-play is. 
I definitely like that advice. And uh, speaking of uh, big events coming up this week, the Astros play the A's on uh, Monday through Wednesday. Then they uh, have a huge series in Arlington against the Rangers. Uh, what can we expect from uh, coverage of those two series on Root Sports? <laughs> what did they say about learning from history? Uh, you know, they, I keep saying every time, sooner or later, it's got to turn around, right? I mean, the, the, the laws of percentages tell you that, that there's no way that one team can dominate another the way they have. I mean, that, not in baseball, okay, maybe in other sports. Maybe in the NBA, you know, you know, the uh, a bad team is going to lose to a good team all the time. The Astros are a good team, and Rangers are a good team, and Rangers have owned them, and I, I don't have any explanation for it. And, and I can't help but believe that sooner or later it is going to turn around. I just hope that later, you know, sooner or later, whichever one is, is going to come around pretty quick. Uh, no reason for optimism, though, I will tell you that, just because of past history. Yeah, we're definitely hoping that the Astros can turn it around this week. And, uh, again, you can catch Kevin and all the pregame action about 30 minutes before the game starts on Root Sports. Again, the Astros play the A's uh, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, and they uh, have a huge series in Arlington at the end of the week. But, Kevin, we definitely appreciate you joining us on uh, the Weekly Brew Podcast. And for those that are interested in following you on social media, what is the best way for them to reach out to you? It's uh, You know, he asked me this last time, and I couldn't, I couldn't remember <laughs> what my Twitter, Twitter handle was. <laughs> K, uh, uh, Kevin Esch at... Uh, Kevin Ash RS, I believe, at uh, Root Sports. I think. Does that sound right? You know, go to Twitter, type my name in, and then you'll find me. Come on. Use the Google machine. But, uh, Kevin, we definitely appreciate it. It's, it's, it's always good to talk with you. All right, guys. Thank you very much. You're listening to The Weekly Brew. Joining us for the third time on The Weekly Brew podcast is Adam Coleman, who covers high school sports and Rice University for the Houston Chronicle. And uh, Adam, uh, this past Friday, Kevin and I actually called the Cy Fair and Woodlands game. And uh, you were the, I guess, the former, I don't know, rock star for Cy Fair sports. And we just have to ask you, do you miss covering Cy Fair? <laughs> Uh, man, I'm, I'm no rock star. I, I don't ever see myself that way, but the, the people out there treated me like that. And, and for that, I'm forever grateful for, uh, I'm forever grateful for my time in Cyprus. I mean, um, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll always miss it. Those days are always are, uh, close, uh, close to me. I keep those days close to me. Um, I still keep up with a lot of people in Cyprus and, and it's always nice when I'm ever around and seeing people, uh, that I used to run into all the time, but uh, yeah, there's always going to be a part of me that misses being around all the time. I'm um, glad to be, you know, moving on to, to other things and doing other things. But I uh, always got love for Cyprus, and I make that well known. So, so yeah, uh, hopefully I'll get a chance to go back uh, for a couple games this year. Well, boy, that all shucks routine uh, is not fooling anybody. I, I think you know how well you're regarded over there, and I think you recall how the Twitter following uh, lambasted me when I took over for you. They were very disappointed to see you go. But uh, of course, you're with the Chronicle now. You are. What is your official title? And and more importantly, now that the Chronicle owns HCN, are you my boss? No, <laughs> <laughs> I am not your boss. I am not your boss. <laughs> but uh, no, my official title is um, I cover. Um, of course, you know I cover. Um, Rice University Athletics, and I'm the uh, lead high school sports writer, high school sports coordinator, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, and I, it, it's not just me, man. You know, I work with so many people that that help make this high school sports section uh, the best it can be, and what it is. Matt Young and Jenny Dowell and and uh, and Martin. You know, you know Kevin. You know Martin very well, and and those guys. Uh, you know, they and and Reed uh, Lamont. You know, those guys uh, just help me make the section uh, the best it can be. So um, it's busy switching between back and forth, but there's never a dull moment. So I'm definitely um, loving it. It is a sprawling enterprise, uh, coordinating all these people. And, of course, HCN, Houston Community Newspapers, my organization recently acquired by The Chronicle. And so I've been hearing some scuttlebutt uh, from the higher-ups about this app, which uh, actually just recently launched. As we record this interview, the app just launched. And, uh, you know, everybody's been talking about it. I'm curious, you're involved with it. What does the app offer, and uh, and why is it important to what you guys do? Yeah, man, this is something that um, I guess we've kind of been having and it works for a while. But this offer, it offers updates. You know, the best thing this thing offers is like you can specifically tailor it to follow your teams, uh, the team that you want. Let's say, for example, you know, Kevin, you're out in Cyprus, you're a Sopfair fan, um, and you want to go in there and click your favorite teams and put a star next to Sopfair, or maybe you want to check out the Woodlands, or maybe you want to check out, I don't know, Kempner, or whoever it might be. Um, you can tailor it to follow um, your team. So anytime we have a story on your team, it'll cross your way anytime we have an update score updates on your team will cross your way um all that and and, and and all and you can follow the whole city of houston and our scores and updates 
um, photos, galleries, uh, some of the things that from the communities, community sections, um, and community papers, ACN that you guys will be doing will be on there as well. I guess right now we're in the early stages of it, still filling out how the public feels a lot about it, and and uh, I mean so far it seems like everybody's we've got everybody's attention on it, and people are um, um, definitely uh, downloading it and everything, but. Um, we want it to keep getting better, keep getting bigger, and, you know, we can use this in so many different ways just to promote the content and just really um, connect with people on a much more personal level uh, where they can wake up and just check the app, and it, the, that, the app can be a daily part of their lives. So I'm really, really excited about it and really excited to see what it can become over the next, uh, not just this season, but over the next few years. Cron.com is known for extensive high school sports coverage. I mean, I remember growing up as a kid, always looking at the Sunday paper, trying to find out scores and stats, but now it's all at the palm of your hand. How much does it help you as, I guess, a journalist to have all that, you know, that information on your phone rather than having to go through a website and, you know, click on different boxes, but just to have it at, you know, the at your fingertips? Yeah, absolutely, man. Anything, I mean, in this day and age as a journalist, and Kevin, can, you know, you can agree with this too, man. It's just... um it just it just makes it easier, you know, where you can access something quicker so you can do your job better. So for me, as a journalist, if I'm trying to figure out if it's Friday night and I'm trying to post a score on Twitter or something like that, I can try to I can figure it out through this app really easily and really quickly. And it instead of, you know, going on the actual website and, you know, clicking through some things and trying to figure out what's going on, this just just makes it easier. Um and this just makes the process and the connection to what I'm trying to do uh easier. So it's not just for the fans. It's not just for the sub- subscribers. It's not just for the customers. It's for the coaches. It's for the players. It's for the parents. It's for the journalists. And this is something that we can all use. And, it, I mean, it really does remind me of my software sports days, just the whole Twitter account thing. My whole purpose was just to create a gathering place for the community. And um, this this reminds me of that, except on a citywide scale, um, of all of not only all of Houston, but all of greater Houston. So, this is something that can that can really uh, make that connection between the readers and the Chronicle stronger. Well, Martin has assured me that this is uh, this is my key to fame. This is uh, I'm going to be a household name by the time this app is in everyone's hands. And so, obviously, I want to, I want it to get out there. You know, people to read the stuff on there, follow the teams I follow, and seek me out. How do people find this app? Uh, whether they have you know whatever devices they're viewing it on. Yeah, man, you can um, find this app easily just on your Google Play Store or I believe, you know, what, what I, I'm on Android. I'm not ashamed to mention that. I'm not ashamed to admit that. Um, in <laughs> <laughs> um, an iPhone, I mean, you guys got an iPhone. Tell me what it is. I, it's a Play Store as well. But um, you go in there and just search uh, Houston HS Sports Live, and it will come up. It's completely free, by the way. We're not charging for this. It's free. And just click on it, download it, um, and uh, I think there's a version for the Android. There's a version for the uh, Apple. So if you have an iPad, you know you, you'll get it uh, a little bit differently than people with the with the uh, with the Android. But yeah, man, you just find it on your Play Store and just type in type it in in the search address, and you'll find it. It'll come up. It's free. It takes a couple seconds to download, and once you get started, boom, there it is, right all in the palm of your hand. So. It's really easy to get to, really easy to download, and really easy to use. Yeah, we'll definitely make sure to post a link to it on weeklybrewcast.com. But, uh, Adam, we had Coach Bailiff on from Rice University just a few moments ago, and he seems pretty high on this year's team. And I'm curious, from someone that is uh, covering Rice University and the Owls football program, what can we expect from the program this season? I believe you can um, expect a team that um, is looking for vindic- vindication or, uh, or that's looking to get back on the high horse. You know, you got you got to keep some things in perspective. This is Rice University. It's hard to get in this school, and this school hasn't had a lot of success in a long time. And then they reel off three straight bowl appearances. One of those, I think, was a, con- was a conference championship in 2013. So we were at, you know, the most successful period in Rice football in a long time. And then to miss a bowl, you know, that was kind of like a little bit of shock. You know, I remember Coach Bailiff telling me, like, hey, when when you miss a bowl and everybody else is playing in bowl, you know, it forced you to reevaluate everything in the program, and they definitely did that. And um, this team last year, you know, they, they had some problems, uh, you know, with inexperience, uh, injuries kind of came into play, but they had to play a lot of freshmen who weren't ready, and they kind of had to throw those guys in the fire, 
and some of those and, and that mattered in some of those games that they could have won and easily got back to another bowl. But uh, this year is, is interesting. They tell me, you know, Alex Lyons, linebacker, best linebacker, one of the best linebackers in the conference, senior linebacker tells me, hey, we're letting these freshmen know that you could play this year, be ready, be prepared. We're doing everything we can to prepare these freshmen so it doesn't just come out of nowhere like it did last year. But, you know, this team knows they missed the bowl. This team knows that they're counting on health. There's a lot of good guys on this team that were hurt last year. So they're counting on health. They're counting on those freshmen who were thrown to the fire kind of, you know, going through the growing pains and and, and a year older, a year wiser. Um, and, and, again, they will count on the freshmen coming in this year. Um to, to kind of step up guys like uh, uh, Miles Adams and and, and uh, D'Angelo Ellis, um, who is a guy out of Cypress Ridge. They're counting on those guys to, to, to make an impact immediately. So this is a team that realizes that, you know, we were making bowls. We were in the conference championship conversation. Let's get back there. Let's do that. And I think I think they can. I think it's very possible. Should be fun to watch the Rice Owls this year. Uh, my Baylor Bears actually play them here in a few weeks on Friday night. But again, we've got Adam Coleman on from the Houston Chronicle. And Adam is the uh, the guru for high school sports here in the city of Houston. Sorry, Kevin, I'm giving that title to him. And uh, also covers the Rice Owls. But uh, Adam, for those that are interested in following your work on social media, uh, what is the best way for them to connect with you? Yeah, I have three Twitter accounts. Um, <laughs> and so um, the main one that I use is at Cron Coleman um, and all one word, Cron Coleman. And from there, I tweet mostly high school sports. You might see a little bit of rice on there, uh, but I, I mostly do high school sports. I do a little bit of everything on that account. You know, you might see me tweet about hip hop. You might see me tweet about something funny or whatever it may be, but that's the account that I just try to reach everybody at. Uh, but if you are looking specifically for rice coverage, I do have a rice account. It's at Rice Cron. And that's all one word again um, at Rice Cron. Um, it's um, it, it, it like when I first created it, and I wanted to create something separate for the Rice fans to follow, so they didn't have to worry about the high school coverage. So um, when I first did it, it wasn't as active, but now that the season is going, you know, I'm trying to keep it active. And on there, I'll, I'll we tweet a lot of things uh, from other beat writers and myself, and our Rice Cron coverage, and and try to connect with fans and things of that sort. So if you are a Rice fan. Follow me, and I would love to meet you. Meet any of those guys uh, when we when the season really gets started and really gets going. Um, and our high school account is um, at um, Houston Cron HS, and that's at Houston Cron HS. That one is just our main high school account for the website for the paper. Uh, man, every Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, we're tweeting scores, retweeting stuff, reading, retweeting updates, photos, box scores, uh, recaps. Uh, videos, everything that we try to do uh, with this high school section funnels through that account. So that will definitely be busy. It was busy last night. It'll be even busier tonight and tomorrow. So, you know, that's and, – and we'll have a game day central that we tweet out from there too where people can kind of just follow some things on there too and follow some updates. So uh, follow all three of those accounts uh, if you can for me. And, uh, yeah, we try to keep it fun. We try to keep it uh, – try to do it for the people, do it for the readers. So appreciate any follows and appreciate any readers as always. Well, we definitely appreciate you for joining us on the Weekly Brew Podcast this week. And uh, I guess enjoy uh, as we get ready for Rice's season opener uh, this week against Western Kentucky. Hey, thanks, guys. And anytime you need me, let me know. Thank you. Closing time. You've been listening to episode 58 of the Weekly Brew Podcast and uh, three phenomenal guests. Uh, special thanks to head coach David Bailiff from the Rice University Owls. Uh, a lot of excitement around the program, a lot of excitement about football within the city. And uh, Kevin Eschefelder spoke about the Cougs. Adam Coleman uh, spoke about high school sports. I mean, if, if you like football, we are the voice of Houston. We are the podcast for it, and I think we proved it this week. Yeah, that's what it means to be the voice of Houston. You get in amongst Houstonians, you talk to them about their sports, their football, what have you, and, uh, and you get their opinions on the record. And that's what we did this week. Great Houston content uh, from the voice of Houston. We had exciting picks, uh, even more exciting commentary, a couple Harambe jokes. You really couldn't ask for anything more for a podcast. Very solid episode, and if you want more of the podcast, you can go to weeklybrewcast.com. Find all, you can find all of our past episodes on there as well, and you can also follow us on our social media sites at Weekly Brewcast. Just search for that on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Uh, we hope to find you there. Also, if you go to weeklybrewcast.com, I write specific episode descriptions that are fairly lengthy, several paragraphs that are only for readers of our website. And uh, they're sort of like... They're hilarious. Yeah, they're personal messages to the people that follow us the most closely. So give that uh, give that a check out. Do people say that? Is that a thing people say? 
uh, in addition to weeklybrewcast.com and uh, you know the great work that we put out there, uh, we want you to go to iTunes as well and uh, give us a five-star review. Uh, tell us what you like. Uh, give us show ideas, uh, guest ideas. We definitely enjoy having great guests, and we've got a few of them lined up here in the next few weeks. But if there's someone particular that you want to hear, uh, tell us why and tell us that in an iTunes comment. So uh, we definitely take that seriously, and we want you to be our favorite listener of the week. But uh, guys, I am actually uh, flying to Rio de Janeiro on Wednesday, going down to uh, support the Paralympic Games. Uh, definitely excited about that. Uh, should be an interesting uh, experience, and uh, we will be sure to uh, broadcast or I guess release another iTunes episode uh, next week, and uh, I'll be doing that from uh, the Southern Hemisphere, which is kind of cool. Kind of cool, yeah. So I'll, I'll be on the call, I assume. We'll be putting together uh, the best possible show we can put together, even though you'll be in Rio. So that's just kind of dedication that we bring. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I wish you a very safe, uh, safe journey to Rio. And during your stay there, uh, please do not get drunk and uh, ransack any convenience stores. I, it, I hear it's not, uh, it's not a way to go about Rio. Uh, yeah, so if you want to follow my journey, you can just follow me on uh, Twitter at A Staten, or you can follow me on Instagram at Austin Staten. And of course, it wouldn't be a podcast episode without giving Kevin's Twitter handle a shout out. So you can follow him and all the great high school football coverage that he produces over at HCM, the Houston Chronicle. Uh, go ahead and follow him at... Uh, at K Michael Cook is my Twitter handle. And it's all it's a lot of stuff. You know, I tweet humorous stuff. I tweet uh, other sports. I mean, I'm all over everything, not just high school sports. I feel like you're deliberately selling me short there and kind of undermining me. It's a great Twitter profile at K Michael Cook. You should follow. Jeremy, do you want to give out your uh, Twitter handle? Yeah, uh, my Twitter handle. I don't tweet, but you can tweet at me. Uh, I love reading tweets. You can slide into my DMs. Uh, is at Fiesta Bear 08. All right, so make sure to follow uh, follow Kevin at, at K Michael Cook and Jeremy at Fiesta Bear 08 and myself at at A Staten. But uh, we had a fun episode, and we thank everyone for listening to episode 58 of the Weekly Review Podcast. Special thanks to David Bailiff, Kevin Eschenfelder, and Adam Coleman for being guests on the show this week. And uh, for my co-host Kevin Cook, Jeremy Paxton, I'm Austin Staten, and I'll see you from South America. And guys, please remember: no matter who you are, where you go, or what you do this week. South of Harambe. You've been listening to the Weekly Brew. 